2: Tony Price,
3: co-host <laughs> Catherine Brand,
4: Andy Bernard,
5: <laughs> Cassie Schrader.
3: It People must be
4: catchy. a disaster. <laughs> I, I learned it from her last yeah, time. It what? It's true. <laughs> we'll be right back. Howard
6: Arnold <laughs> Walser Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walser way. Up front, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values do the right thing display positive energy be open-minded and lead by example so if you're in the market for a new or used car check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships please don't say tell them tommy sent you because it sounds fake and i hate it walzer automotive group Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant,
2: what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt, then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, One of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company. And they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap.
6: Robert Plant today because it's his birthday.
3: Happy birthday, Bob!
6: Bob Sancere and Bob <laughs> Plant, and Frank Minitor with us. How you doing, Frank? Very good. Glad to hear it. The Ultimate Man Survival Guide: Recovering the Lost Art of Manhood. Why are so many
0: people now afraid to be a man? <laughs> yeah, I think society in general is telling us not to be men. I, I certainly see that in academia. Uh, when I visit colleges and so on. I I can't believe uh, some of these individuals that I'm looking at that they're they're walking around as non-men. They're told not to be men. They're not even not even that. They're told to be women. They're told to be something they can't be. Something that doesn't really happen or exist. So they're just a bunch of confused young adults. You
6: know, it's really interesting about that, Frank, because I grew up uh, uh, in in the, the city, and you know, the very poor neighborhood and all the rest of that. But I do remember those guys. If you laid your hand on your wife or your kids, you would get a talking to about a, a real man doesn't do that. So if anybody thinks being a man is all about, you know, hitting their wife or something, it was the exact opposite. Real men don't hit their families. I'll never forget that part. That was absolutely true. That 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 did happen
0: a lot. So I was like... A real that, man follows a code. You're absolutely right. You follow yep. the code. And there's a deep philosophy to that code. And it's like today's society doesn't believe there's a philosophy any longer. They're discounted at all to just pure machismo, which is kind of a meaningless uh, anti-men kind of form of rhetoric no I think you're absolutely right about that a lot of guys I
6: I don't know the whole manhood thing and it goes from culture to culture there's no question about that but to me it just you know being a good example that's real manhood is being a good example to everybody else and you know keeping everything under control making sure your family is safe and happy and and you know that's womanhood as well mothers love to have their kids be happy and their well except for my wife who's here she women like to have their husbands be happy
3: all right you <laughs> 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 that's
6: enough. <laughs> so wait a minute. I'm between you two.
3: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good thing.
6: So there are two women in studio. What do you think what do you think of that? The Ultimate Man Survival Guide, Recovering the Lost Art of Manhood. Do you think the art of manhood is gone?
5: I think so. Um you know, it 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 almost like it, it, women get offended yeah you know that men try to be men and i i don't get that there was just a high school that had um a quote that they had to take down because they said it was sexist and everything and it says if you're more of a something like if you act more like a lady he'll be more like a gentleman and they said that was sexist
4: it's I mean, pretty odd.
0: Well, I think what it's... It's,
4: it's odd in a public school. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, to me... I, when I've it, had a lot of women to, to tell me that, where is the, where's the real man? Why can't I find this guy? That talk about and write about Catherine that. Catherine already got me, me, Frank. for
3: this guy. <laughs> the one last one. The
0: one last one left. <laughs> no, I, that's, I love that's
4: your that's not emasculating for the other men in the room at all. <laughs> no, no, not <laughs> no, at no, all. I right.
3: think what everybody's talking about is, I mean, at one time in our society, it was, you know, you know, the donald draper days you know yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff where guys could do whatever they felt like you and... mean the
1: time when everyone born then is dead
3: well they're not dead
1: but <laughs> they drank, they you know, drank themselves pretty to much death. Death. dead pretty yeah, much but
3: the, but the alcoholic dad yeah. who you know as long as he worked everything was okay and you know i, th- I think there's just some uh, some things that being a man connotates that brings up bad feelings. I, I think yeah. that's what it is. And I, I, I agree. I don't think that you should have to emasculate men to make your point. But it,
5: it, it, with our society, we're always
3: swinging the pendulum the other too far the other way we yeah, never just yeah, land it land in the middle Here,
5: yeah here's the actual quote it says the more you act like a lady the more he'll act like a gentleman now when i first look at that i don't see anything sex sexist about it mm-hmm. i'm saying the more you act like a decent human being the more he's going to act like a de- you know it's that's what i'm seeing the more she, you act like think. a polite pleasant person the more likely the other person you're interacting you know i think they were just trying to get both sides you know men and women grouping them together, I think that's well, just what Well, no, was. we're not
3: even supposed to have gender identities that's anymore. True. Well, that's what
5: they were saying so, in the yeah, article, yeah. saying, you know, it,
3: it's Which not is also crazy. gender fluid, and I mean, I'm I don't sorry. know. So I, I, if you've ever been around what? babies and toddlers...
4: Yeah,
0: they have <laughs> genders. They're very different human beings. Yes. Yeah.
3: I'm sorry when they're oh, a boy or a so girl.
0: So for I after, don't know. I have a six-year-old, and he wants to be a man all the time. He, he'll even stand up and posture like a Hold his chest out when he's done something good. He, he just wants to be a guy. You just got to let him be that guy, grow into that man he really wants to be. It's, it's all there. Yeah, you're
6: absolutely right. Everybody needs to calm down. And whatever you are is what you are. I don't care what you are or who you are or who you identify as. I don't really, I sincerely do not care. Now, Frank, I've been around my agents in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Most of them were gay men. So I've been around gay men my whole life since I was very young, like 18, 19 years old. I never cared at all about that. I don't care about lesbians. I don't care about gay men. That's fine. I, whatever you are, that's what you should be. But if I'm a man, then I get to act like a man too, Right.
0: But, but a gay guy can be a man. That's what it's it, exactly right, crazy. We're right. talking about the philosophy of a man. Is yep. he a stand up guy and takes care of people? Does he, does he stand up in a crisis and, and take care of that situation? Is, is he looking around to others and emboldening them, bringing them up as a man should? I don't care if he's gay or straight, what he is. If he's but doing man. that, then he's a man.
6: Yep, it does not matter. You're absolutely right. Now, this is me poking the bear named Frank Minotaur.
0: Tell us about the NFL kneelers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what drives me crazy is that they're so confused. They're making this whole controversy about the national anthem, something that should be bringing us all together, and about a sporting event that should be bringing all of us together, whatever our political affiliations mm-hmm. are. And said they should be making it about that what they really want to make it about it. If there's if they're talking about something that's happening in the black community for, for example, is that what they're after? Well then articulate that, show us what that is, and don't kneel at the anthem, but stand up at a different spot and tell us what you really is on your mind. So I like talk that. about this and solve the problem. Instead, everyone's just arguing
6: about the anthem. I like that a lot. I see that uh, Colin Kaepernick now, uh, he wanted to, remember he turned down the Denver Broncos at, what a year or two ago. I think it was last year. And now he said he wanted to come back, and they said, no, you had your chance to be with the Broncos. That was last year. <laughs>
3: you, don't <get> to tr-
6: <laughs> you don't get to come back whenever you feel like it. And now they're being criticized, oh, you're turning them away just because of the kneeling thing. No, he had his no, chance to be a Bronco. He passed. It's his
3: business. Yeah, you don't apply to become an nfl player right you get recruited
6: the whole thing's ridiculous i frank i I just tend to like you know people who who on well you know what i was talking about this at the very beginning of the show and i want to run this by you frank um do you think the lack of respect across the board is really harming our society in america A lack of respect for men? For, animal. what do you mean? Yeah, for, for, for cops, for first responders, for firefighters, okay. for military. They, 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 I don't know. Some people just don't respect
0: that at all. I, I think we're respecting them and not understanding them. And really, understanding them is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, we're villainizing because we see them as a, as a parody, something too simple. Uh, they're, they're complex people doing pretty difficult things, and you, we have to understand that in context to who they are, and instead of simplifying them to some parody, um, and then destroying them by Black Lives Matter attacking and saying all cops are racist, or right. the other side maybe saying all cops are all good people. They're, they're not their people, and they're doing really hard jobs, we have to understand that.
6: Yeah, I agree I agree with that completely. They're just people like everybody else. And some people, when they get a great deal of authority, are going to take advantage of it and misuse that authority. That is going to happen. But to
0: say all cops are racist is flat-out idiotic. Right. Right. They're doing a lot of good things out there. And for them to stand up and be that ideal we want them to be, we have to articulate that ideal, right? So mm-hmm. we got to articulate that, that man of honor, the moment of honor that they really should be. Uh, I don't think society, we're doing that. I think we're doing too much tearing down, not enough building up. Yeah, yes. I just thought of something.
6: I, I wonder if, if they ever did that in baseball, which they have not done in baseball. But would they stand for the the Canadian anthem if they played the Toronto Blue Jays? Would they they still kneel for their anthem as well? Because they, as a matter of fact, put Ukrainian people in in uh, internment camps during World War II. So mm. with us it was the Japanese in Canada was Ukraine and Asians, yeah,
3: they did Asians and too. they did mm-hmm. Asians as
6: well. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they would kneel for that anthem too.
0: You know. It was pointed yeah, out that one brings time. up a bigger political point because yeah, right, there's a big anti-Americanism out there yep. in certain political spheres, and you're, you're, it's like, okay, wait a second. Okay, put us in context, for the rest of the world, and realize who we are and, really are and what we're really standing for. I think that's where a lot of the American people are on this. okay, we need to improve. We're not perfect either, right? But come on, you know, here's where we are.
6: Yeah, I mean that that is the whole thing. We have a, our son as the engineer on this show, and you know, he just he is who he is, and you know, he's and you're happy, aren't you? Andy mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah you middle. see how
6: happy he was there Frank oh, you hear that joy in his so voice <laughs> a lot of joy in his voice there but
1: yeah I, I just I don't know
6: this. you know that whole thing about you, you need to treat me like a man well if you act like a man I'll treat you like a man so it's not something you can demand you have to be a man and then you'll get treated like a man is that not true
0: Right. Well, today, even just being stoic is put down. That's such a misunderstood idea that the man has to be stoic in the face of whatever he's dealing with. Well, if you're going to deal with a real situation and keep your head about you and therefore be the one that's actually going to do the hard work in that moment, you do have to learn a certain sort kind of stoicism. And that, that kind of learn, stoicism only comes from doing. I'm just feeling and having emotions. reading. Okay, That's great. But to actually become who you want to be, you have to physically confront yourself. in, yeah. in some pretty incredible ways to grow into that man.
6: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It, it, it's, I like th- the way you made that point. That makes a lot of sense to me. It's like, just, just well, an example. I brought this up earlier. I consider myself to be a man. I have a wonderful wife and a great son and a great daughter. I have great friends. Everything's fantastic. But I once saw Christopher Robin on Saturday and started tearing up. You know what I'm saying? I I did. I actually.
0: I, I meant to cry. Oh, come on. Absolutely. Yeah, if you, look at, if you look at the samurai, right? The ancient uh, coat of Bushido. Uh, a samurai would actually pla- practice flower arrangement, tea ceremony. Yep. You know, they, would, they would practice poetry and painting. Uh, you, you can go back to the Middle Ages with, with knights who did the same kinds of things. They, they would practice dancing and poetry. Uh, and this is always a part of a be. We're well-rounded people. We're not the cliché they, they make us out to be today.
6: Frank, do you think it's bad? I said, my, like I said, my Catherine, my wife Catherine, is here today. And last week she was standing there, kind of like with this this look on her face. And I said, "What is that? Your crabby look?" And she said, "No, it's a your pathetic and sad face." <laughs> 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 she, Thanks a lot, honey.
3: Hey, you started it. Right.
0: Oh, no, they make it then, Okay. <laughs>
6: I know. Uh, see, my wife is a very strong person. Do you think that's part of it as well? I I could not be with some, you know, little. What do they call it? A, a the wilting flower I guess I could not be with a woman like that because I, I like them to be strong and go no this is how I think it should be and not all oh yes dear I, I could not live with a yes dear person
0: men and women should strengthen each other and ideally yep. that's what feminism and, yep. and masculinity that's what they do one is not putting down the other that's just not how it should work if, they, if it's working that way then there's some problem in the relationship or in society
6: indeed you know I, I noticed in the in the liner notes for your book the ultimate man survival guide covering the lost art of manhood Colin Kaepernick says players are protesting systemic oppression I wonder, now Colin Kaepernick's parents are both white they adopted him I have no idea. Yeah, no, they did. His parents are both white. I wonder how they feel about this. He, I don't see that he lived through a lot of systemic oppression. Maybe he did. Maybe I, I'm totally ignorant on the on the topic. But it sure didn't seem. He, he seems to me
0: like he's a spoiled brat. That's what he seems like to me. Does that make well, sense? For he me? was 49er, wasn't he? When he was, um, yep. I've I yep. had fans. If you look at the message board on that Fox article. Kind of me say, you know, the first couple of games he was sat sulking on the bench because he wasn't allowed to play for whatever reason. So actually, he started his protest because he was just upset like a little kid that's exactly I know, that's what true, I heard. That was
6: interesting that's exactly what I've heard as well is he sat there because he was whining up a storm. he's a spoiled brat is what he comes off to me as you know his his parents coddled him and he just can't get over it
3: Well, he's taken it to a whole new level
6: and he certainly has I, I'm not a big fan of somebody wearing uh pig cops on their socks I'm not huge on that idea oh, no. I, I just show other people respect for what, and I don't care what you do for a living you know Colin Kaepernick had a, had one good year uh, uh, and that was about it. And I don't know what happened after that, but he's hes kind of crabby. That's all I
0: have to say, Frank. He's a kind of a crabby guy. <laughs> well, what bothers me is are real problems out there that need to be solved. He's, yeah. He's kind of pointing a little bit at them. Right? There's real problems we need to get to, but we're not allowed to talk to them. I mean, you look at some of the messages, the comments on that Fox piece. There people saying that I shouldn't be telling blacks what to do. I'm talking about human rights. Yeah. You know, just because I'm white, I'm not allowed to talk about this topic. That's where we are in America, where we're shut down too often for politically correct kind of ideas. Yeah, it's true. And it just it stops the conversation, and we don't find solutions. No doubt. Ladies and gentlemen, Frank
6: Miniter, M-I-N-I-T-E-R. The book is called The Ultimate Man Survival Guide, Recovering the Lost Art of Manhood. It's nice to talk to a man, Frank. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks very much, Frank Minotaur, ladies and gentlemen. It's a great topic, don't you think? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I like women to be women and men to be men, and they both need to be very strong. Like, your wife is a very strong person.
4: Yes, she is. Yeah. I mean, yes, she, she is. is. Catherine's
6: a very strong woman. Melissa, I can't see a wilting flower either there, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> and then Cassie won't shut up. So I know she. You know, it's one of those deals. But
5: I have to think like a man most of the time. So oh, yeah, yes. I understand that. When small women have to be scrappy, <laughs> I do. I have to not be. Small. You know, and I, a lot of the things I've done in my life has been in a man's world. I've worked on cars. I've worked, um, you know, uh, technical stuff, technician stuff, putting things, fixing things, mm-hmm. coaching football. Um, you know, and I don't expect them to tailor to me. I tailor to them because I'm entering their world. I like it. You know what I'm saying? Yep,
6: I know exactly. So what
5: I'm not say. gonna show up on the football field in high heels and say, Let's let's play some football. Boys. Well, you're no you June know June Cleveland.
6: No. <laughs> That's all I have to say. We'll be right back. We're gonna talk to Tony Price about all this this great endeavor. It started when July
4: July second at seven AM is There's when it started.
6: It. July second at seven AM. We'll be right back. A couple of minutes, Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been to lose weight at Neutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I'm down over 77 pounds and have one more round to go to shed the rest of my unwanted pounds. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did by attending the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner. It is on Monday, August 20th, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. That extra baggage melts away really fast. And one of the best parts is it's just so easy. I am never, ever hungry. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth has educated me on clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Register for the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on August 20th. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337
2: the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period.
6: I absolutely love this
5: song. I know I jam to it in my car. I think, the, <laughs> I think I'm the greatest singer when I'm in my car. Yeah, everybody shower. does.
4: <laughs> I know I'm the greatest back? singer when I'm in my car. <gasps> I know it. Oh,
6: so she starts singing and you fade her out. I see.
5: I love Susanna
6: The only one who belted it out is me here. There'll be none of that from Suzanne Hoff.
5: Well, I, I loved her because back in the 80s, um, there were so many, you know, big hair. And, and, and most of the popular people were blonde, but she was yeah, a brunette. True. I'm a brunette. And I was right. like, oh, my God, there's Finally. somebody who looks like me. I have brown hair. So does she. Yeah, so I idolized her. I love Cindy Lopper. I love Cindy
6: Lauper. She's very cool. She was going to be with Rod Stewart. I think they rescheduled for October.
5: Oh, October 14th. Oh, so okay. I'm hoping yeah. i we can go. I saw go.
4: Cindy Lauper open up for Tina Turner turner when she was pregnant oh my god cindy lopper was pregnant really yeah that was over on uh university campus What's uh, the name of that theater over there at the u of m oh the uh, varsity
3: no mm. no 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 the one on the u the campus you talking about yeah, the it's big, big no it starts with an n
4: you want to take uh what is ah. it fourth across the river and it's right there on the left side of the road fourth across the left side of north 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 yeah, yeah, yeah north north, north. North. North absolutely god, that's right. what I, I, yeah. I think
3: of that. Jeez
4: yeah, that was a true. phenomenal day yeah i would imagine that would be a lot of fun she was dancing in the audience pregnant out there i think she had the baby like the next day or something it's i mean she right. was really pregnant yeah. yeah i like that that's that's yeah, good yeah that she yeah. just
3: all of a sudden stopped touring she just quit
4: Remember? might it might have had something to do with the baby yeah, i'm maybe. just <laughs> maybe. yeah maybe might be true i'm just grasping
6: at ideas here all right july 2nd seven o'clock in the morning you partner up with a bunch of people. Where was it again? Uh, Grumpy's in Roseville is That's where we right.
4: kicked it off. Grumpy's in and Roseville. And it was, it was kind of a quiet start. Uh, the Dart uh, company showed up with one of their patriotic painted semis and escorted mm-hmm. us out of town. So that was kind of cool. And there was about a half a dozen bikes there. And uh, you don't really want me to give you a play-by-play from no, that no, day no. to your today. I don't imagine your highlights. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll start like this. We had the camera crew following us in uh, in my truck, and then we had about a half a dozen bikes, and we lost some at the first stop, and then we lost some at this. By noon, it was me and the camera crew, and my wife was still on the back with me at that point. That's then amazing. she had an emergency. One of her employees in the cigar business crapped out on her or something so i actually had to drop her off at a bus station in hayward and she had to come back (laughs) hayward and then um on the next day was tuesday morning so the camera crew all decided to sleep in so i had to break into their room and wake them up and then they said i'm gonna go get coffee let's be ready to go in 10 minutes and 10 minutes later the motorcycle wouldn't start that was the first breakdown and then the camera crew came by and said sorry about the bike man but we quit
3: (laughs) Uh.
4: What? So, and that was in Ironwood, Michigan. Because
3: you woke them up.
4: Yeah, and they got it because like, <laughs> you woke them up. I uh, I looked at that and I just said, okay, uh, this thing is a little bit too important to get it done. I'm not going to spend a second arguing with you guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So I just said, give me the keys. They got a different ride home, and and the truck stayed in in Ironwood, Michigan. <laughs> is it still there? <laughs> no, I went to get it. I, oh, you I managed, it. I managed to get it back, but. Um, but yeah, so at that point I was broke down in Ironwood, Michigan and and uh, all alone and I pretty much stayed all alone except for a couple of days. Um, this one's a fun story. My wife decided to fly into She wanted to fly into Philadelphia and I was going to pick her up in Philadelphia and we were going to ride together a little bit on the east coast and then I was going to drop her off at the next airport or whatever. So that She's coming in in the morning, so I made it to Philadelphia in the evening, the night before. Stayed in this really colorful part of town. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was using the phone, and I found, a, I found a place to stay. And it turned out to be a woman's upstairs, kind of a Airbnb, kind oh. of a weird deal. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, she just said, uh, yeah, you can sleep up there on the third floor. And I'm looking around, and I'm going, okay, we got issues here because there's, like, people that are... Looking like they're ready to break the law just everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I was in a, it was an old part of downtown Philadelphia. It was only like uh, 10 or 12 blocks from Independence Hall. Oh, okay. So we're in that part of town. And she says, Well, there's a police station just right around the corner. There's a little mini police station right around the corner. So I walk over to the police station and I tell them what I'm doing, Gold Star Ride, et cetera, and honoring Gold Star families. And and can you please watch my bike? <laughs> and they say, Well, where's the park? Bring it over here, park it right in front of the window. In the, and the Philadelphia police said, yep, right there. It'll sit all night. Nobody will touch it. So oh, nice. the Philadelphia police watched the bike that night. And then I went to stay in the room and looked around, and I said, I'm sure glad she's not here because my wife would never stay in this place. So the next morning, I'm supposed to pick her up, and she texts me, and she says, "The can't come to Philadelphia. Come into Baltimore. I'm going to fly into Baltimore. Look up at the... Okay, it's a two-hour ride. No problem. Get on the freeway. Her flight is going to land in two hours, and I'm getting there in two hours, so... As I pull into Baltimore, it starts to rain. So I said, okay, well, let's pull off here and make sure that I know exactly where the airport is so I can pick her up. I pull off the road. I check my phone. Text message from my wife that says, bad weather in Baltimore. They're diverting us to Philadelphia.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Well, you know. Yeah, me, Lord.
4: So I had to ride in the rain for 20 minutes to get out of the rain and get back into Philadelphia. And then, uh, you know, we had a pretty decent ride that night. We met a few people, and, and we did the ride, and we spent the night in a hotel. And the next morning, we we're going to go visit this uh, location in, uh, oh, I suppose it was about two hours west of Philadelphia, in a small town near near Harrisburg. And uh, we get there, and the guys are showing us this wonderful little ranch-type place that they got that they wanted us to see. And and. Somebody says, well, what are you going to do about riding in the rain? And he said, well, I generally don't worry about riding in the rain. And they said, did you know the rain is coming? And I opened up my, my radar on my telephone, and the entire western half of – Pennsylvania is yellow oh. mm-hmm. on the weather radar and it's moving east. So, and you know, if you've ever seen the weather radar on TV or on your phone or on your app, or every now and then you'll see it's all you got the yellow in the middle and then it's green and then you got one spot with no color. Yeah. So it's not raining there. <laughs> Because so the I sat down you know. and spent fifteen minutes looking at all the county roads in central Pennsylvania, and I looked at that little dot, and I, you know, pulled up all the weather forecasting experience I could muster from my days in the Navy, and I managed to follow that little dot of no precipitation for three hours. Really? Wow. For three, and, and yeah, it just followed us. We took off from where we were. She had to at that. She see? She took off from. I dropped her off at the Baltimore airport. Actually, not quite the Baltimore airport, but had to get her to Baltimore to the airport that afternoon. And and we managed to get all the way from, like, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to downtown Baltimore without a drop of rain we're right the roads were wet and the rain was all around us but not a drop of rain on us until we got to downtown baltimore and as soon as we hit the first red light she's using her gps on her phone to get to the airport it took us right through downtown i don't know why Uh, but as soon as we hit the first red light the sky opened up and we got pounded Uh, (laughs) that was it we got pounded it was so bad we ended up going it took us like 15 minutes to go six blocks and they just said this is ridiculous i can't see the roads are slippery Uh. every red light turned red in front of us on hills the motorcycles overloaded because i told her to pack light so she brought a backpack filled with books
0: (laughs) oh yeah
4: so anyhow i pulled into a little gas station and um she ubered (laughs) because the rain was just pouring and uh uber came and picked her up and took her to the airport and uh that was one of the rainy days what how did you judge the speed at which you drove the bike to keep
6: up with that hole and the i mean how did you know how fast to go so you didn't outpace the storm
4: you know, uh, you know it was a lot, lot it was a lot of dumb luck oh was it was, it? it was a lot of dumb luck oh, there you go uh you know i, I just kind of knew that the storm was moving in that direction and and i was just hoping i was just hoping yeah but it, yeah i got that, that was one of the most miraculous weather things I, I think i've ever done in my life i have a question for you the, the, the place in philadelphia were there people there that looked like they might be doing drugs I think the question is, did I see any that looked like they weren't? That they weren't doing drugs. Actually, when I I was inside that little police station, and another citizen walked in and and interrupted and said, i got to tell you about this. And I overheard her say, there's a guy a block and a half that way over by the playground with his pants at his ankles. Oh, God. True story really happened. And she said, oh, I'm sure glad I'm here in the police station. Right yeah the, well i understand absolutely yeah <laughs> they exactly. just let
3: you spend the night at the police station yeah this was i, I think
4: that was about 10 o'clock at night when when I heard that, yeah, just the citizen walked in out the street. I thought you guys should know. There's a guy over there at the playground with his pants around his ankles. Oh God! Well, who hasn't done that? You know. <laughs> um,
6: the reason I asked you that is because Daryl Hammond was just on the the morning show a couple of weeks ago, and he was in Philadelphia, almost exactly what you described the the room you were in or whatever. And a guy goes, "Man, I know you." I recognize you from somewhere. I know you, but I don't know where it's from. And this woman smoking crack, <laughs> she's smoking crack, and she looks at him and goes, Foo, that's Clinton. Because <laughs> Daryl Hammond used to do Bill oh, Clinton that's impression. Right. that's Clinton. That's what he said. Foo, that's Clinton. <laughs> yeah. My, I might have been in the same neighborhood. It sounds an awful lot. You might have been in the same place, actually, because he, that,
4: yeah, Daryl, stay out of the crack houses. Probably a good idea, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that was on, just about my only inner city experience. So it wasn't my most colorful hotel experience. But, no, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I, I made it a point to stay at the at the. Crappiest roach motels I could find. Wonderful. So, I mean, there was a.
3: Adds this, to the experience. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah. Well, there's also a, a, a fiduciary responsibility I was trying to uphold. And I was also trying to make sure I stayed in the right mindset because all the time that I'm riding, I'm thinking, okay, we got people on active duty over in the Middle East and they're mm-hmm. sleeping in crappier right. conditions. Right, than that. no doubt. So, uh, And they're all volunteers. So I figured if I'm volunteering for this thing, I'm going to volunteer to do it. Um, with the the conditions as as crappy as as i can but there was a spot i stayed in actually was in uh, burns oregon i think burns or Barnes, oregon somewhere east of bend up in the high hills and i was i i made it a habit to sleep with the tv on can't really explain why i just chose to, it, it just kind of worked out better for me to sleep with the tv on and i got awoken by something tickling my cheek and i so I swiped it off, and then that. I opened my eyes, and the TV was on, so there was some light in the room, and I saw an insect about an inch long, unlike any insect I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> a little cockroach? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was green. It was not a roach. It was green. green. It was green. It, was, it looked like a giant mosquito with green wings. It was... Uh, just I just kind of uh. said, I'm sure glad I'm leaving in a couple hours. So, I yeah, would imagine. At first light, true. I was back on the bike. And, um, and that leads up to another really interesting uh, thing that happened on the road. I left that town, and I rode pretty much on a level road for about two and a half or three hours to get to Bend. And stopped in Bend, tanked up, got something to eat. Wonderful little uh, Mexican place there, bought me some breakfast. So I got a full tank and a full belly, and I'm all ready to go to I think it was Lebanon, Washington, or Lebanon, Oregon, which is closer to the coast. Mm-hmm. So I'm going from Bend over the mountains in, to get to the coast. And, of course, I'm at about a 6,500-foot level, sea level, so it's all going to be downhill. And I'm thinking, well, I've done this before. I've ridden in the mountains. The roads are curvy. No problem. We're going to go down there. I left Bend, and the speed limit average was 25 I was lucky to hit third gear. I had to do everything I could to... manage all of the corners without getting run over by the car behind me so just switchbacks
3: left and yeah
4: and this road was 110 miles long it took me three hours to work these corners and i mean you go around the corner downshift upshift brake lean lean it it was just for the first 15 minutes it was fun and then it became work and then by the time i got down to the bottom i found a place to park the bike i pulled off the road put the kickstand down i think i was shaking uh, and really? I, it, yeah, and because a lot of incredibly physical work. Yeah, I suppose. To, yeah. To you know, the motorcycle is eleven hundred pounds. Oh okay. wow! So I'm you know navigating all them corners, and like I said, first fifteen minutes, a lot of fun. That's what all the motorcyclists want to do. <laughs> yeah, lots and lots minutes. of fun. Yeah. At the you know we're pushing three hours of this stuff, and I was uh. yeah, it was that was a that was a fun road. However, that was not the worst <laughs> of my r- mountain road experiences. The worst one was, I was leaving uh, Big Springs. Big Springs, where's Big Springs? Wyoming. Mm. Huh. Leaving Big Springs, Wyoming at dawn, going to Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just look at the GPS and I say, okay, which one is the shortest road? And according to my GPS, it pointed out this one road as being the shortest road. So, I'm on the motorcycle and it takes me six hours of riding you know stopping for gas and this that six hours later i get to the first mountain pass which i think is called rabbit ears Uh, so i managed to go through rabbit ears mountain pass which incidentally was on fire and and it had a about a 40 mile an hour steady breeze coming off the hill from the fire so i'm kind of riding at about a 30 degree angle down this road So now we're seven, I get through that. Now we're seven and a half hours into this ride for the day when I get on U.S. Highway 34, which is supposed to be the shortest route to get to Estes Park. What the GPS does not tell me is that, U.S. Highway 34, is also the highest elevation continuous road in the Northern Hemisphere. Oh. Other than that, though. So, remember how I said the speed limits were like 25 and 30 Mm, and 35 over in Oregon? Here, the speed limits are 15 and 20. (laughs) Oh, God. And the corners are hairpin tight. And I get like halfway up this thing, and I'm, I'm... i had no idea where i was i thought i was on a mountain pass i just thought we were going to go through there so i find a spot to pull off on the side of the road after riding for about 45 minutes or an hour and i look over and you got the big sign there that says what mountain you're looking at mm-hmm. and it says never summer mountain and i see
3: never summer okay. and
4: i look over at the mountain whoops. it's got snow on it whoops <laughs> and i'm thinking okay now it's time to put my jacket on because it's not 90 degrees anymore it's closer to 50 or 60. Put the jacket on, and actually, I made a little selfie movie at that point too, because I was feeling a little lightheaded from the from yeah, the elevation, uh, elevation. and um, put the jacket on. Hour later, I'm at the top. I pull into this parking lot and it says elevation 11,782 feet. So I pull out my phone and I make a little selfie and I say, If I was on an airplane, I could use my electronic devices right now. (laughs) (laughs)
6: That's true.
4: And I look around and I, you know, there's snow capped mountains are visible everywhere. And that's when it started to rain, but it wasn't really rain, it was sleet. (laughs) Uh, And the temperature up there was probably 40. Uh. So Put the chaps on, and then I tried to make it back down the hill because now oh, I'm, I got it because I still have to get to Estes Park. <laughs> so yeah, I rode down the hill in the sleet and the rain, and the cars behind me trying to run me off the road and stuff like that. So that was probably the most harrowing yeah. experience of that ride. And you know, I, I think I could say this because this is a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I could feel my testicles getting bigger.
6: Yes,
7: I
4: could. Is <laughs> that kind
6: of a harrowing experience? We will be right back right after this. because Stocky up next, Tom Bernard It was a cold September morning when Kostaki Economopolis called the Tom (laughs) Bernard podcast. This
5: is a cool version of (laughs) this.
6: It is a good version of that song. You know, I love it. This morning I was going through the Greek alphabet and I said, I wonder when Kostaki's going to call in again. (laughs) <laughs> that's a lot. That's a, that's what made you think of me. Yes. The Greek alphabet, no question. You know, Tom, the
7: combination of that music and your voice, uh can I say this? It's a podcast, makes my testicles grow. <laughs> <laughs>
6: there you go, sir. You got tactile right. Has in.
3: That baby. <laughs> yes. Indeed,
6: I wondered if you heard that. Indeed. So The baby's I, awesome. The baby's great. Wonderful. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear <laughs> it. Uh I did not watch the Viking game on Saturday I'm not going to sit inside at noon on a beautiful summer Saturday so I recorded it but then a number of listeners sent me texts or emails saying what the final score was yeah. so there was no reason to watch it I just I didn't watch any of it because I already right. knew the outcome it's the preseason you don't have to watch too no, much unless no. you're a fantasy dork yeah you're good a fantasy good. dork I like, like... that like you're kind like of me. a fantasy like you exactly <laughs>
7: I'm watching Hard Knocks, though. Are you watching that? No. It's really compelling. It's I,
6: you know,
7: I love that show. This year, the Browns are on Hard Knocks. Which oh my is God. Redundant. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, it's true. If, if you've seen the Browns play in the preseason, you, you've already lost a bet of some kind. Why are you watching that? Um, yes. No, actually, I'm interested because it's Hard Knocks. It's it's a very well produced show, and the Browns have some compelling stories this year. That if you've seen clips of them playing this year uh... they have no stripes on their otherwise just orange helmets Because they took them off. Why? The show because the coach said, you got to earn your stripes. So oh, God. Things, So he's making them work. So if the Browns play really well, they get to be the Bengals? Is that is that what's
6: happening there? Yeah, that's pretty much... You get stripes on your orange helmet. <laughs> that's very, How good very do
7: true. they have to play to get a logo?
6: That's a fair question. So, you know, he says... The, yeah, we'll go, oh, go Go ahead, sir. Sorry.
7: The only NFL team with no logo. It's uh, 32 teams in the NFL. It's the only one that doesn't have a logo. My nine-year-old daughter has a slime business that has a logo
6: (laughs) well you know it is what it is such is life i just uh, i don't know the the cleveland brown what uh when's the last time was it like 1952 the last time they won the nfl championship it's
7: been a while.
6: I was doing this, <laughs> yes. uh, it's been
7: 603 days since the Cleveland Browns won a football game. How about that? Oh God! Oh. oh. And if my math is correct, it's been—they've uh, won one game in the last 981 days. <laughs> <laughs> 981 days is long enough to conceive a child, bring it a term, and teach it to say your name. Uh, yeah, that's exactly a right. Unless it's uh, the Yeah, That's a long true. time.
6: Yeah, it's just, uh, the, and the sad thing about it is for the Cleveland Browns fans, they hadn't won anything since the early 50s. They leave town, move to Baltimore, and then win two Super Bowls.
7: Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> oh, right. man. that's cold. They, yeah, they, They've had a tough run. The Washington Generals have more wins than the Browns lately. Ooh, that's cold. Yeah. I've won more arguments with my wife in the last 981 days. So none? Uh,
6: Two. Two. Oh, two? Okay. I have two victories. (laughs) Two victories. How many arguments? (laughs) Three years. (laughs) Hundreds. Hundreds and hundreds of arguments. You've won two. And and you only won that by saying, yes, you're right, I am a loser. (laughs) That's the only way you're going to win those arguments. (laughs) (laughs) That's just how it is. Yes, you're right, dear. Look, I just won the argument by telling you you're right.
7: (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Let's call it a draw. I'm out. Kostaki, I've been Uh, wanting to talk
6: to you about this for quite some time. I have a concern. Uh, Cassie just brought it up. It happened in the Viking game on Saturday. I am very concerned about the defensive players who have to lift their heads up to tackle someone. Someone's going to get killed if they have to do that. There's,
7: yeah, that is new helmet rule is definitely mm-hmm. questionable at best. I don't, there's going to be a lot of talk about it going forward. I, I, they've been
6: calling it really strict in the, uh, yeah, they have. in the preseason games. Have you ever tried to like tackle a pillow with your head up instead of down? it hurts. I appreciate you making it relatable to me. by Making it a pillow pillow instead of a grown man. Yes, exactly. I I don't know. I just, it looks very dangerous to me. I might be wrong. And there are doctors that can call and tell me, but if you're going in to drop your shoulder, but lift your head, you're asking for a broken neck, it seems to me.
5: Well, what they're supposed yeah, to be, yeah. what they're supposed to be doing and what we teach the kids in football is that they have to have their head up because they don't want them going head first right. into a player. They want their head up, but with, when they wrap up, they're supposed to they call it like uh eyes to the thighs. So they want the side of their head to be right about where their hips and butt cheek is. Really? So they're yeah, supposed wow. to have it to the side. They're not supposed to hit them head on. Head on, okay. Yeah. So
6: I wouldn't put that head up too high, though. I seriously, no. that's very, very dangerous. You're
5: supposed to stay low, yeah. eyes to the thighs, wrap up.
6: So very basically, cool. you just—that that was my entire sporting life, right there. That <laughs> <laughs> was all. That's everything. I, all I ever did was eyes up. <laughs> <laughs> to this Something uh, wow. I don't remember the whole thing
3: That was too hard Something,
6: something, something um, I, Your name came up last Friday As a matter of fact At about this time Well, a couple hours from now I was sitting on a panel with uh, Lamont From Lamont and Tanelli, Paul Castronovo from Miami With uh, uh, yeah. Steve Dahl from Chicago And a buddy of yours A good buddy of yours Tom Griswold from the Bob and Tom show
7: yeah.
6: Nice. Yeah, it was a really nice, nice. panel. It that's really quite nice. a
7: panel. Where was that?
6: I was in Chicago. Oh, and cool. it was the, I guess we're the only five guys in America that have been on the same morning or been on morning radio for thirty years. Oh wow. I guess. Wow, that's a great club. I was trying to think of Brother Wheeze, I think, is there, too, but yeah. he couldn't make it. He right. could not make it. So there were six of us, apparently.
3: And we went out to dinner with Tom, and he said that he really likes you, and we said, is it the same Kostaki that we know?
6: Yeah. Are you blind? <laughs> 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 That's exactly. I have a question for you about Tom, because I, I did. I liked all of them. Lamont is a great guy from Lamont and Tonelli. Really good guy. Yeah, and I've, I've known done St- that show. Yeah. yeah, I've known Steve Dahl and and Paul Castanova for years, but I had never met Tom Griswold. He's a very Intense guy. I mean, he, he's, he's a deep thinker and he's got this really intense look on his face all the time.
7: <laughs> he can be. He's certainly, uh, that head is certainly turning. You know, he's,
6: he's working on something. <laughs> I felt like such a jackass because somebody asked the question So, what does it feel like when you've had a bad book? uh lamont let's start with you and he said something and then paul said something and steve said something and just before tom Griswold was going to talk they came to me and i said i've never had one and after i said <laughs> that i went oh my god did i just look like the biggest jack <laughs> but well, we haven't i mean uh, what can i tell you you know it'll start happening any day now because they've screwed up the writing so badly it might never re- recover but right uh, no it was you... it was it was a lot of fun. Am I am I right in thinking that you
7: held the record or hold the record for the biggest uh, percentage of listeners?
6: Yeah, yeah, we had a thirty. We had a thirty share at one time, which is unheard of. I mean, it's back crazy. in the days when there were three AMs in town, yes, then it did happen. But since the modern era era of <laughs> FM radio, yeah, it was a thirty share. It was, you know, I tell you, the, the weird thing about that though, Kostaki, is that it feels great and horrible at the same time because you literally. Say to yourself, what the hell am I going to do next? Right, right. It's yeah, terrifying. You to go up from here. <laughs> I mean, it's terrifying. It's like, oh, yeah, your ratings went down. You're only at 28.5 now. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and it did. By the way, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, we think that that 30 wasn't really real. It was probably more like a 28. No, it was real. <laughs> Calm down. So I you always
7: have that conversation no matter where you are,
6: <laughs> right? Oh, there's no question about it. You always – somebody always thinks, oh, you, you know, and you're as cool as you think you are. Yes, I actually am <laughs> because yeah, I don't think I'm that <laughs> Cool, so actually I do but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but yeah so many people came up to me and talked about you that you know doing quick snaps or, or just mm-hmm. appearing in their studios and you are loved throughout the country sir oh
7: that's great to hear thank oh, you, you for are. passing that along or, or lying either way <laughs> oh,
6: well, you know just don't I'll mention it. it don't mention it to Tom Griswold with Bob and Tom because he's gonna go what that never happened yeah Griswold's been great to me many yeah. years of t- talking to Griswold he really really likes you all a lot, there's no doubt about it. So it was it was fun to hear your name and what you're doing and people talking nicely about you, because Catherine and I never do.
3: Nope.
6: <laughs> That's uh, not true.
7: So, it's, okay. good to, it's good to be back on with you
6: guys. Oh, Thanks for wonderful. having me
7: on for another crazy year of this thing. Oh,
6: it's going to be great. Now, you know, Like usual, I'll probably pay you like five years from now. <laughs> I only pay a stocky when I see him. I keep saying, send me a bill, send me a bill. He never sends me a bill, so I have to like hand him the cash. That's right. Over uh, lobster and eggs. That's how I get paid. Eggs. Lobster and eggs at Barla Grassa and cash on the barrel head.
3: There is a correlation between comedians and uh
6: Bar business La
3: and business. Oh
6: Yeah, yeah well yes, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> not the best business people on earth, that is very, very true. <laughs> No question. I'll, I'll take that, Dig.
7: Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm guilty of that. And it's... I'm better than most by a lot.
6: <laughs> you know, they're better business people than that one actress. What was her name that bought the town for $30 million? Bought
7: an entire oh, yeah. town. Well, who was that? That was, was it? my town. That was Athens, Georgia, right? Yeah.
6: I believe it was, it, it was either Athens or right next to Athens.
3: Right. Oh,
6: wow. think, was, uh, it was um uh alec baldwin's wife what's her name yes it was oh, at the time kim basinger kim basinger kim basinger that's exactly right. kim basinger she bought a town for 30 million then filed bankruptcy
3: <laughs> well yeah it's gonna not the best business decision it's,
6: it's, gonna gonna happen. Happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen you know you start putting down 30. the one that i i just love and i did not know this until i watched the special michael jackson died he was 500 million dollars in debt what? He was five hundred million dollars in debt when he died. How could you possibly spend enough to get into debt with what? that level of income? Was, who would give you the money? Hey, you already had three hundred million. I don't know if I can. <laughs> no, nah, come on, I just need two hundred million more. It's not that big a deal. Five hundred <laughs> million dollars just
3: in debt. Mind blowing, isn't it? It's amazing.
6: Oh, that is, it's amazing. That is amazing. Eh, what are you going to do? So, okay, we get two. You, but I was
7: going to say, uh, I don't know if you saw this story. I love this story. Bud Light, speaking of spending a little bit of money to get a lot of attention, has victory fridges in bars around Cleveland that unlock when the Browns win their first game. No. <laughs> oh, no. Free beer. Oh, uh, no. Great. But where are the tequila fridges to help us forget the last 20 years? <laughs> That's I'm guessing true. no born on dates on these beers.
3: Ooh, okay, God.
7: might be there for a while.
3: That's great.
7: You know, it would be nice to unlock Cleveland the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do you know this? The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame closes at 5:30 p.m.
0: What? Yeah.
7: Why? Really? Is that when Jimi Hendrix was all done rocking? <laughs> uh, it's 5:30. I gotta head to the house. <laughs> what? Hanson stayed up till nine.
6: With 5:30. I didn't even know this, but I was told that. that... That my voice is in the rock and roll hall of fame. Is that really? Is that Uh, introducing a big band or something? uh, No. Apparently, uh, they use my voice as the example of uh, '90s classic rock radio. Oh, really? That's cool. Do they have to
3: bring that up to you? They just can use it.
6: I. They probably went to Dave, and Dave said, "Yeah, go ahead."
3: Oh. Not, never mind that it's your voice. <laughs> yeah,
6: whatever. And it all worked out in the end. But yeah, it was kind of nice to hear that in the Smithsonian. We're in the Smithsonian too because of the. We were the first radio station or the first broadcaster in America to call 9/11 a terrorist attack. Wow. So.
7: Really?
6: Yep, we were the first in the country to do that.
7: That's a fud claim to fame. What, what? How did you do? What? What time was that? How when that second plane that was down.
6: on its way to hit the second building, we went. This is terrorism. Okay, we're not screwing around here. There's not some guy lost. Well, first of all, the first time we saw it, there's this massive hole in the tower. Yeah. And they said a, a light plane has hit the. And that was not a light plane. That I mean, that hole was about 150 feet by 150 feet. Yeah, I it was remember a light that. Plane. Right. God, yeah, it was really yeah. unbelievable, but, you know. So when are you coming to town again? Are you coming in January? Uh, I don't a
7: plan yet, but I... Uh I love that club. I'll be back. I'll Why be back. do you
6: always come in January? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I used to,
7: for about 15 years, I was on the summer schedule, and Lewis is like, You got to come in the winter. There's more crowds.
6: There are bigger uh, crowds. Right? That yeah. is true. The Crowds are bigger in the winter, but Kostaki's brilliant. He goes to uh, Acme in January, and then he goes to Miami in August. So that's great. <laughs> it's
7: really Really bright.
6: This, R- really this bright.
7: year, I tried to match up the Super Bowl media stuff with my trip to acme it didn't work out so i actually came to minneapolis twice in january and february oh, Different God. Trips. <laughs> yeah that's, wow. uh, that's bad booking i need myself a dave <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> i so, love that you casually go eh, dave probably told him it was fine well, Dave told me, yeah, whatever.
6: Dave, Dave probably said, Here, here's the audience.
7: He can use we all this. needed Dave to take care, of, take care of stuff
6: for us. Now, are you not back on again until the first game, of the first real game of the season?
7: Uh, if you'll have me, if you're around, uh, if two weeks from now. Me. So I'll Let's just see. have one last week off. So the week of the first game, I'll call you before that.
6: Oh, before the, what well, you call on the Monday before the first game of the season.
7: Yeah, it's two weeks from now, and if you're not there yet, I'll call you the next day
6: or something. Oh, isn't two weeks from now the, uh, is Labor Day? Two weeks from today's Labor Day, isn't it? Yes. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't think we're going to be on that uh, Monday.
5: Yeah, we're not going to be on, uh, oh gosh, I went, okay. Uh, yes, we won't be on the 3rd. I think, uh, you're scheduled to be on Thursday the 6th.
7: Ooh, I like it.
5: Will that work for you? (laughs)
7: Game day. We could we could figure that out. We'll, all right, good. I'll we take gotta, a look and make sure I can swing it. But yeah,
6: probably. Well, we can't be going through the football season without talking to. I just call you Ce now.
5: We'll find it. <laughs> we'll find a day that'll work, for Kostacky. There, all week. right. I'll, we'll figure
6: it out. All right, man. Great talking to you again, sir. Great talking to you. Can I get out on a joke? It's just I, you. Always least. do, man. Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield threw out
7: the first pitch in an Indians game. It was super high and outside, which could be the name of the new Josh Gordon documentary. <laughs> super high and
6: outside. <laughs> and outside, but for different reasons. Good night, uh,
7: everybody. All right,
6: we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Kostaki, thanks, thanks very guys. much. Thanks,
7: guys. Talk soon. Tony, Bye. thanks for
6: stopping in. Great to have you in studio and the family, thanks. of course. Thanks for letting me in. Oh, as always. Now, when, you're not heading out again until when?
4: Well, there's a wedding on the books this weekend. Oh, that's so, good. Um, sometime after that, probably right after Labor Day, I'll All right. go out for five days to uh, see some families in the central part of the country, and then that one in Wisconsin. We will stay in touch. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Tom Bernardo.